one unit. Uh, so Romans chapter 1, we began the section on sin in verse 16, beginning with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, without which there would be no hope for our world. The preacher said in the prayer room that uh, if the church did not have the Word of God, the Lord wouldn't be there. And very true, the gospel is the means provided by the Lord to pluck man out of his natural state, bring him into the kingdom of his dear Son. So the gospel reveals God to man. Reveals God's righteousness, as he says in verse 17. Reveals that God requires perfection. And without perfection, we cannot measure up to God's standard of righteousness. And it reveals the wrath of God, that sin is not going to be allowed to slide, but that God is angry with sin. Now, how much of that do you hear in churches and in preaching today? The gospel here reveals the righteousness of God, that God will not accept you as you are. And it reveals the wrath of God, that God is angry with sin and will judge sin. Now I would say that the majority of messages, those two subjects are broached over or not covered entirely. You hear love, love, love. God accepts, God accepts, God accepts. God knows the heart. And all these things twisting the message and missing the purpose of the gospel. So God's revealing and making known to man his righteousness and his wrath. And he has. You know that God requires perfection and outside of Jesus we're not going to be accepted. And you know about his wrath. You know that at the end those that are outside of Christ are going to be destroyed in a lake of fire that burns forever and ever. We're all aware of that. And the majority, if not all of our community, is aware of those facts. That's been made known by the Word of God and by the Gospel. So what's man's state then? Well, God's making known, and He's revealed to man these things. What's man done? Well, here, the invisible things has been known, and man's left in this place. This is where mankind is as a whole today. He's without excuse. If you know outside of Christ you're not going to be accepted and you know God's going to judge and punish sin at the end, then why have we not come to Christ? See, we're without excuse. We know these things, but yet man has done nothing about it because when they knew... This is verse 21. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. So... That word God there, it's, it's the Greek word theos. And the meaning is the supreme divinity. So when we knew God, when they knew, when they were made aware that God was God, He was in control of all things, including your life. God has provided to us the life that we have. He has allowed us to live as long as we have. He's allowed us the mind and the ability to understand that we have. He's given us the body to work and labor 
and earn in this world. He's given us the ability to enjoy this life and the good things of this world. And yet, they don't glorify Him as God. They don't recognize Him as being the one allowing them to do and to live and providing for them all these things. Neither were thankful. Not even out of their heart were they thankful unto God which provided all these things for them. Now it's something that man wants to argue with whether God's provided or not. And man does. We want to say that we've earned it and we've worked hard for it and we've done it ourselves, and it's by our strength and by our abilities. But that's not true. God provided the means for us to have all that we have. And we could have been born in a third world country and had absolutely nothing, not even shoes for our feet. See, it's all provided and saw fit by the hand of Almighty God. They didn't glorify Him, neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations. So often what you're going to see that word mean is empty. But here it means to render or become foolish. So now their thoughts are becoming foolish. You know why that is? Because they didn't glorify God in His rightful place. And when God's not given His glory and His thankfulness, I begin to think more of myself and my abilities. I begin to think that I'm able to do and live as I please and there's no one that's able to prevent that from happening. Just like the man that fields brought forth plentifully and he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build greater. That was his intention. No mind of God. No thinking or being thankful unto God for his blessings. No desire to give back to God for all that he's given to him. I'm just going to, I'm going to lay this up and I'm going to live at ease for the rest of my days. Did he get to do that? Somebody else enjoyed that. His soul was required of him that very night. He didn't even get one barn tore down before God took that opportunity away from him. So they became vain. They began to think that they were self-reliant and self-existent and their foolish heart was darkened. So we're, we're going away from the knowledge and of accountability towards God and we're plunging farther into darkness. And you remember that darkness. That's not light without light, naturally speaking. But it's the understanding of God. And their understanding of God is growing less and less. And God, we'll see what God's becoming. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 22. So they, they begin to think that their inventions and that their thoughts was above even what God's Word says. Now do you think that happens today? Is not the opinion and the thought of man and really the strongholds of the devil in the heart and in the imagination of man, it's accounted greater and more wise than even the Word of God says. 
And when God says to serve, give me glory, be thankful unto me, man thinks he can go on and he's got more wisdom and he knows what's better for him, greater than God. They're professing themselves to really know something. But in truth, they're becoming more and more foolish. That word means to be insipid. They're unable to come to the knowledge of the truth of God. Their mind is becoming, the word means to become or to act as a simpleton. So they are abasing God and glorifying self in their mind as they think they're better than God and they're better than the Word and we don't have to do as God says. I know what I'm going to do and I know what's best. But in truth, now what's really going on? God's being cast away from them and they're being plunged deeper into darkness away from the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So in Proverbs 26 verse 12, Now remember, they're wise in their own mind. They're professing to be wise. Proverbs 26, verse number 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than him. So here's a man that thinks he knows something. That thinks that he understands something. Here's a man that thinks he has great knowledge and he's wise in his own mind. And you know where that leaves him? That leaves him in a place where that he's uncorrectable. If you believe that you know more and know better than me, you're not going to listen to what I have to say. So as man becomes wiser in his own mind and the the truth of God is abased more and more, Man becomes to a place that he's unreprovable by the Word of God. And it can be said, well now wait a minute, the Bible says this, yeah, but I, I know better than what the Bible says. Now that those words may never come out of the mouth, but when I know what the Bible says, and yet I believe my beliefs and my thoughts over top of the Bible, I am abasing God and bringing God down and exalting myself. Is there any more way to act foolishly and as a simpleton than to bring God lower than what I think and what I believe? And yet that's what's going on in our world today. The wisdom and thinking of man is lower as far as the heavens are above the earth from God. And yet, though that's the way it is, man thinks that he knows more than God knows. And man thinks he's going to get by with more than what God says. He's exalted himself above God and above the gospel. And you know the fool in Proverbs, the actual fool, he can be taught something. But them that already know and their minds made up and they're wise in their own eyes, you can't teach them a thing. They're not going to hear. That's where man's at today. Because of professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God 
into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So image. When we hear the word image, often we think of an idol. And that's true. But this is what the word means. A likeness. A statue. A profile. Or a resemblance. That's straight out of Strong's Concordance. So a resemblance of God. They have now brought the incorruptible and the holy and the pure God and they've brought Him down to a level that's equal with mankind. They've brought God down really below themselves. And so we, we know how the pagan nations... I think Egypt in the Old Testament, one of the greatest examples of it, all of those plagues God brought on the Egyptians, those weren't arbitrary plagues, but they worshipped the river. They worshipped the sun. They worshipped the beetle. They worshipped the cow. They worshipped all of these things that were a benefit to their life and to their wealth. And God turned the river to blood and killed everything in it. God brought the, uh, the bug, the locust, He brought him out of the wilderness and caused him to eat all their crops. He darkened the sun with a darkness that could be felt. God was proving that He was above and over every god that Egypt worshipped. They changed God into something that was on their level. Now that's what man does. Now, we may not have statues. You may not have a statue. You may not have a painting. You may not have a, a God that you can reach out and touch. But boy, I tell you what you see. You can see people that's got a resemblance of God. But it's not the real thing. The God that they worship is not the incorruptible thrice holy, pure and righteous God that's taught out of the Word, but it is a God that they have in their mind and in their heart formed what He looks like. You know who's deciding what Baal looks like in the Old Testament? The people that make Him. The people that uh, make those statues, they determine the likeness. And you know how it is? This man may make him and he may look one way. This man may make him and he look completely different. But it's each individual's vision of what God looks like. That's what they make him into. If it's a four-footed beast, if it's a reptile, if it's got the resemblance of a man, if it's a mixture of all of those, man in his mind has got an image of God. But is it the truth? Look at our world. Every man's got his own image today. How many of them's right? God gave a commandment not to make any likeness, not to make any statues, not to make any uh, uh, likeness of Him to worship on the earth. You know why that is? There is no image of God. God's invisible to the natural. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But you know that idol, I can worship that however I want to. 
He, he don't hear no matter what I do. If I want to worship Him today, that's fine. If I want to enjoy myself today, that image is fine with that. Is that not the God that people have? They've got a God that's fine with whatever they feel like and whatever they want to do and whatever's convenient for them. Is that the incorruptible God? No, His image has been changed. That word means to exchange. They've not changed God. God is God and He changeth not. But it's right here. See, as the heart gets darker, God gets brought down. God is abased and self is exalted. So in... Uh, let me finish reading that verse. Into an image made like to corruptible man, to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. In Acts chapter 17. And here Paul is at Mars Hill preaching. And here they've got an altar to every god that they could think of. And out of fear that they had missed one, they had an altar to the unknown god. They had all their bases covered. We're going to worship God no matter what likeness that He bears. That was their thinking. Now Paul's going to preach them the gospel. In verse 25, Neither is worship... I'm sorry, back up to 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things. This God of heaven, He's not dwelling in a temple where He's worshipped. He's not in a statue where He can be worshipped. He's not worshipped by my hands. There's nothing my hands can do or make or give unto God that's going to honor Him. Why, I've got a, I've got a hundred billion dollars. I'm going to give God. I'm going to give Him $50 billion. Do you reckon that God, the Almighty God, needs that? Does He need that to glorify His name? Is that going to exalt Him in any bit? We give our tithes to the church for the operation of the church. For the lights to pay the preacher, to, to provide what we need for us to be able to gather. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. <clears throat> they gave their tithes and their offerings and the priests took that and they lived off of that as they served God. They weren't paying God as if to make Him richer and greater. God is not worshipped with men's hands and He does not dwell in that that's made by men's hands. What a foolish notion that that is. That somehow, by me showing up at church Sunday morning, I've worshipped God and done my part for the week. Your presence today has honored God. Do you believe that? See how foolish that the world and the thinking of the world is? You know where that thinking come from? Darkness. And uh, uh, not understanding what the Word of God says. Darkness in the mind and in the heart. Made like to corruptible man, 
to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now I want you to notice this. And let's notice it first thing. We're going to see here in verse 26 and in verse 28 three times you're going to see God pulling farther back and withdrawing. God is not forcing man to fall deeper into sin. Instead, God is no longer restraining man and man is willfully plunging deeper into sin. And why why is God withdrawing? Because they would not hear, they would not believe, and they wouldn't come to the knowledge that God had given them. God gave them knowledge and they made God into a cow idol. They made God into an idol that looked like themselves. That's what man has made God today. He's made God to look like Him and to fit His individual life. Wherefore God also gave them up. So gave to surrender, to yield up, or to transmit. So even in the lost Gentile world, God was still active and actively restraining them from plunging deeper into sin. Now, to the saved people, I say this and we ought to be well aware of this. Maybe you were saved younger than others and perhaps you did not take part in certain sins and you hear this sometimes. You hear people boast and well I never did do that. And I never did do this when I was lost. And you know why that is? Because even when man was lost God was there restraining and keeping man from falling into the depths of sin that he naturally would have. You can't boast in that. I've heard, and this is probably the most that I've heard, the most often. You know, I never did taste alcohol, and I never did try drug. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing to be able to say. And I'm not saying that that's bad in the least bit. But know this, that's not a boast. You cannot boast in that, but you can say you can say this, I thank God that He restrained me and kept me from doing that when I was lost. God was restraining a lost Gentile world, but they rejected the knowledge and understanding of the Word and God's yielding them up. What's He yielding them to? Their own desires. God gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts the desire, the longing of their own heart. And uncleanliness means impurity. That that's impure. That that you could say this, and it'd be very accurate, that which is contrary to the Word and the will of God. God is giving man up unto uncleanliness and impurity, not putting something new or a new desire in their heart, But He's given them up to do what they lust after. What they long for. 
what they truly desire, God's going to let them have it and let them do it. Now, is that the will of God? God is allowing it. God's allowing man to take part in this uncleanliness. Is that what God wants? No, you can't say that. Not in the least bit. God wanted them to come to His knowledge, but they rejected it, so God's going to allow them to have what their heart desires. And it's not God. No, they've got God down to an image, remember? It's not God anymore. When they hear the name God, they do not think of the supreme divinity that all of man is accountable to and that is providing all things. Remember what Paul said in Acts 17? Thinking that God needs anything, seeing that He giveth to all life, breath, and all things. God's the one that gives all things to all men. So you want to know who the rich one is? Who's got it all to divvy out to man? It's God that does. So God's going to withdraw. This ain't a new doctrine. This is not a new thing. This has went on from the very beginning. In Psalm number 81... Verse number 11, But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Sounds familiar to Romans 1, doesn't it? You know what it is? It's the same thing over and over and over all through the Bible. Here, God's speaking to Israel. They wouldn't hear. In the New Testament, God's speaking to man. Man won't hear. So what's God do? So I gave them up under their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. God's withdrawing Himself and letting man think and do as He pleases. And man enjoys that. That's what man really wants. That is God's revealing and convicting in the house of God. The very thought of man is, I wish I could get out and be somewhere else. Man wants away from God and away from the light of his knowledge so that he can do what he likes and feel good about it. But as God withdraws and answers that desire, man's plunging towards hell and judgment at the end of the way. It's the truth. It's the truth. Listen. Oh, that my people had hearkened Unto me. Do you think God says that today? Oh, that they would have hearkened. That they would have heard the word of God. There's God's will and God's desire that people would hear the word of God and come to that. But man is rejecting and God is withdrawing Himself from them. Giving them up to their own counsels to their own lusts. Matthew chapter 15. What's going to happen to these that God withdraws from? Matthew 15. The very words of Jesus Christ Himself. Matthew 15 verse number 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Jesus said to His disciples, leave them alone. 
Boy, that's what man wants. Just leave me alone. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me about the Word of God. Prophesy smooth and easy things and ease my conscience. But just leave me alone and let me live and do like I want to. Jesus said leave them alone. Let them go. They're blind. They do not know God. They do not know how to serve God. They don't know where they're going and they're surely heading for the ditch. But it's even sadder than that. There's blind people following these blind people. They're following the very leadership of people that do not know where they're going. And all that follow that way, they're heading for the ditch. For destruction. For death. For judgment. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They did not receive the knowledge of the truth that they might be saved. You know, don't you? All that's under the sound of my voice knows God's requirements and knows God's wrath. And yet people did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You think God's withdrawing? You think God's going to leave man? He's leaving man. You know how you can know that? You can know that by the evidence we're about to see in the Word of God. So they're going to dishonor the bodies between themselves, to dishonor, to render infamous, to contemn, or to maltreat. You know what man's doing in sin today? He is maltreating his own body and his own life. Look how that sin and man doing as he pleases is robbing him even of his strength, of his health, of his abilities, and is leading his own self to destruction. God's letting man to do that. It's true, that's happening. Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So they changed the Creator, and now they're worshipping what has been formed, rather than He that formed it himself. Now, what sense does that make? The word worship means to venerate or to adore. And served means to minister. You know what people are adoring and ministering to today? Their own desires, their own thoughts, and their own will. They adore this created piece of flesh more than the God that put it together and gave life. They worship and serve their own will 
more than they worship and serve the great creator. And Paul doesn't let it go by without saying, who is blessed forever, amen. That word amen, that's a Hebrew word. And it's, it's got strong connotations of let it be or so be it. It is a conclusion. And it's like a stamp of affirmative and approval. This Creator is blessed forever. He's always on the throne. His kingdom does not go down. His power does not diminish. He does not corrupt like man corrupts. And He'll always be there. Blessed forever. Amen. But what we're serving and giving our time to is something that to God's truth you can just about count on your hands and toes how many good years you've got left in. It's corrupting and decaying and going away and going down and we're serving and adoring that and forgetting the incorruptible God that created it. For this cause... Verse 26. For this cause God shall God gave them up unto vile affections. So first it's uncleanliness and impurity. Vile means infamy. Reputation of the worst kind. God's giving them up to vile affections. Sufferings. That is passion. He's giving them up to the vilest passions of the flesh. For even their women did change the natural youth into that which is against nature. So now we're, we're going to go down to the vile, the reputation of the worst kind. Now our world completely disagrees with what God says here. But how low can man go? Now it sounds like sounds like the women are the less likely to fall victim to this wicked and vile sexual lust because notice how he says it. Even their women. Not just the men. The men of Sodom their sin is infamous, isn't it? It has a reputation of the worst kind, even given the name sodomy. Well here, even the women have fell into these vile affections, changing did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Not only... Is it against God for women to lie with women and for men to lie with men? Not only is it contrary to the Word of God, it is against nature for that to be. It's against the very natural order. And yet, when God withdraws, that's where man goes. When God begins to withdraw, and you can look at it individually, as a community, as a society, as a nation as a whole, as God withdraws, there man goes. Leviticus chapter 18. 
Again, not new doctrine. Very present in the Old Testament. Leviticus 18, verse 22. We're just going to read a few verses. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Now, honest, to a thinking person, these are unthinkable sins. But our world, our society, and our country is already past the approval of women with women and men with men. That approval's already been given by the country. And what's next? You hear about it every now and then. Now, you think it's crazy. Well, 25 years ago, you'd have thought where we are today was crazy and out there. What's next is men and women with animals. You just watch. You'll see a woman marry a dog. It happens. The vile affections of man, God is withdrawing and man is plunging deeper into iniquity and into uncleanliness and into filth, dishonoring their own bodies and going even against the very law of nature itself. Now why are they going there to try to fulfill the vile affections that they have in the inward man? The woman is no longer good enough. Fornication's no longer good enough. Let's go a little deeper into sin and see if we can fulfill our affections. God's withdrawing. Man's plunging into darkness. I tell you spiritually, as a nation, as they take kindergarten, first, second grade, and they teach them that this ungodliness is acceptable as they put it on TV, on kids shows, and in commercials, and they're teaching and ingraining in their minds that this is acceptable, this is normal. God says it's a result of me withdrawing myself from people. The very vilest of affections is taught as normal today. Now tell me where we are. Tell me we're a godly country with a godly mindset when what God said is infamy of the worst kind is promoted to our children. It's the truth. My God, what thinking that's corrupted by Satan himself and elected politicians stand before the media and tell the country, I support this. I'm for it. I think they ought to be married. I think they ought to live together. I think they ought to enjoy it. And people vote. And they vote. And that thinking is approved of by the majority. You talk about darkness. You think that's darkness? This lifestyle 
is vile affections. Infamy, reputation of the worst kind. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. Now what kind of a fruitful relationship can be had out of these? Nothing can be produced. Nothing can come from a relationship of this means. And yet, there man is in sin, dishonoring one another, dishonoring their bodies, and, now this is the Bible, this is not what I say, and receiving in themselves recompense of their error, which was meat. So the natural use the instinctive. We talked about the instincts a little last time. How that even that little puppy or that kitten or that little lamb or that calf or that colt, how that they fall out of the mother into the field having never seen or felt or understood anything in the outside world but they know to latch on to mom and there is nourishment. How do they know that? It is instinctive to them. The instinct of man is toward a woman. And the instinct of a woman is toward a man. Man has gotten so corrupt and filthy that even he's going against his own instincts to fulfill his wicked desire. Sinful. Vile. Don't let the world lie to you. Don't believe that it's acceptable. Don't believe that it's alright. It is vile. Wicked. Sinful. God said it was. And receiving the recompense, the requital or correspondence of their error that was meet. Now any doctor, even today, you'll still find some medical doctors that have a little bit of common sense and that'll tell you that this lifestyle is hurtful to the body. That this is not what bodies were designed for. You're using them against nature and it's harmful. And there is a recompense of the error that comes with this lifestyle. There is. And now, our news don't tell it like it truly is. But you talk to somebody that knows. If you could talk to somebody at the Buncombe County Health Department that had knowledge of the numbers of how many had AIDS. How many had these diseases that destroy the very fabric of the body and rob man of life. You know where that came from? That's recompense of the error. That's the requital of the sin that man has been plunged into. But you know even the very fear of AIDS, that's not enough to stop man. That's not enough to prevent man from sin. Man's going headlong and if it kills me, I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to kill you. You're going to die one day. And in hell you're going to lift your eyes. And yet the thinking of man burned in his lust, 
receiving the recompense of the error. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, retain to hold in their knowledge their recognition or full discernment. Boy, look where we've come. They don't even want to recognize God anymore. And people in our world and in our community and in our county have taken the very simple verse, God is love, and made it a dog. God cannot be in anything anymore. They want Him. And think about, really, how pointless and worthless that it is. They want in God we trust off of this. They want one nation under God. They want God out of that. They want the mention and the thought of God taken completely out. You know why that is? That's because man has been given over to the vilest affections and God stands contrary to the desire and the will of man. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now reprobate means unapproved, rejected, or worthless. And the word has implications of counterfeit money. Listen, I've I've got proof of that. In Jeremiah chapter 6, Verse number 30. Reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. Reprobate silver. Counterfeit silver. Now if, if you get past a hundred dollar bill that's counterfeit, what's that worth? Really, is it worth Anything. No, I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll get the law after you. And they'll say, where did you get this? Did you make this? Are you responsible? Did you know this was a counterfeit? It's absolutely worthless and it's a detriment. It is. So God's giving man over to a mind that is reprobate. It's worthless. Of no value, though it has the appearance of value to man. Boy, I tell you, the social justice campaigns of our country and our world today, in the eye of man, it's very valuable and worth the effort. But God's gave man to a counterfeit mind, one that looks valuable, but in truth it's unapproved and rejected. And God's going to leave man to that. Where's man going to go from here? Farther. Farther down. See, people don't think we're at the bottom today. Well, we're, we're well below the bottom. Wouldn't you say we've already passed verse 26 and 27? The women and the men lying with their own kind. We're already past that. So we're on down here where God's given them a mind that's worthless, unable. This is what it is. 
It is absolutely void of righteous judgment. Unable to determine what is right and what is wrong, as God says. That's where man is today. So where's that going to leave man? To do those things which are not convenient. Those things that are not appropriate, they're not pure, they're not right. In Hosea chapter 4. Now I want you to realize this. This is not injustice of God. Hosea 4 verse number 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why are people going to be destroyed in hell? Because they didn't know where they were going. I tell you the truth. Whoever it is, if they had right knowledge this morning that they were on the road to hell, they'd be at the house of God today. But, they're being destroyed because of lack of knowledge. They don't know where they're at. Well, why don't God give knowledge? Well, we're still in Hosea 4, verse 6. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. Oh, wait a minute. They had opportunity to get knowledge, didn't they? God was revealing. And they rejected. The word means to spurn, to abhor, or to cast off. God gave knowledge and they cast it off of them most likely on somebody else. Most likely that's for you. That's not for me. Or they cast it down to the ground in disdain that somebody would talk to me like that. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. God's got no choice but to reject man today. God has offered the means of salvation to a lost and dying world. God's made man aware of his anger for sin. God's made man aware of hell. God's made man aware of his righteousness. And man has turned from God and said, I do not want to think about it. So they've rejected knowledge. And God's rejecting man. He's casting man off. Thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That's a terrible state, ain't it? You think that's where man's at today? You think that's where we are today? Darkness. 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 With the lie that it's light, but in truth we sit in darkness. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we can see this word reprobate. Let's see it again in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is familiar, well-known Scripture. Paul's saying perilous times. He goes through a long list. We're about to go through a long list as well. Probably not today. But there's a list of sin that is the result of forsaking God that we're going to look at. And in verse number 8, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Now exactly who Janus and Jambres were, 
We can't say for sure. But most likely, I would say, this is speaking of those magicians that were down in Egypt. That as Moses would perform one of the plagues, they would try to imitate and copy it. Standing against the man of God, deceiving Pharaoh to believe a lie. As Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, if you look back up in verse 5, having a form of godliness. That counterfeit hundred, it's got the form of a hundred dollar bill. It's got the markings of a hundred dollar bill. But when you get it down, it's just a fake and a copycat and you can't buy a stick of gum with it. It's worthless. It's worth less than the paper and the ink that they printed it with because it can get you cast in jail. You see that? Well, here's these actors, these reprobates. They sit among us as counterfeits. They have the appearance and the form of godliness, but concerning the salvation of Jesus, they're counterfeits. They're fakes. They're put-ons. I tell you, you put one in my hand, and I may not be able to distinguish the difference. But I guarantee you there's a secret service man or woman somewhere that when they pick it up, they may be able just to feel the backside of it and say that's a fake. You know why that is? They know what the real thing looks like. They know what the real thing ought to be. I tell you the church knows the real thing. The Holy Ghost of God. Not tear-filled confessions. Not tales. Not emotions. The real thing is the Holy Spirit of God. And know this. One more place and we'll stop. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. So God's saying examine not your brother. Not your neighbor. Examine you whether you're in the faith or not. So what am I examining for? Let's see what he says. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So as I examine, what am I looking for? Whether Jesus is within me or not. I'm not looking whether I've been to the altar or whether I've been to the creek and been baptized. I'm not examining for whether my name's on the church roll or whether I've come to church this many times out of the year. I'm examining to see whether Jesus is in me or not. And if Jesus is not in me, I'm a reprobate. I'm a counterfeit. I've got a form and I look like the right thing, but I'm rejected. When that woman at Walmart takes that pen and rubs across it, and it don't turn the right color, that will not be accepted. She's going to set that aside and call law enforcement. Sir, that is a counterfeit. Well, when we stand before God, do you think any counterfeit is going to get by God? 
We're aware of it. We know God's done His part. God's revealed. God's gave knowledge. Man has rejected God. And God's going to reject man.